Hi, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, March 11th. This week's edition, we're going to talk about a range of topics, including Tom Cotton's speech at the Reagan Presidential Library, a new federal lawsuit on racial gerrymandering, a Jerry Jones paternity lawsuit, Thug Nasty, and more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So nothing nothing uh, monumental happened this week. Uh, but there there were kind of a range of interesting topics. I thought we'd kind of do a round robin, rapid sure. fire uh, edition. And let's start with uh, Tom Cotton's speech at the Reagan Presidential Library. It was kind of hyped as as being uh, a 2024 presidential warm up. The Reagan Library has gotten a lot of prominent Republicans to talk about the future of the Republican Party. Um, you know, I I doubt that this matters much in the broader political ecosystem, but it got a lot of early attention and and Cotton billed it as uh, beforehand as as he was going to make the case that Reagan and Trump were more alike than different. He, he really didn't do that. He mainly talked about how they both were part of this Jacksonian Andrew Andrew Jackson uh, tradition, and and he you know did the the kind of what we've come to know as the typical Tom Cotton scorched earth um, you know approach. So, well, I thought your coverage of it captured it as well as anything I read and. I was happy to see your your article was touted by Kevin Cruz, the Princeton historian, who's just fabulous, and uh, he, uh, he he praised your article to the to the skies, which I thought was correct. I mean, you know, Tom Cotton paints a world that is far darker than I think even people on his side of the aisle see, although they they're very receptive to those sorts of ar- sorts of arguments. And the other thing you said, and, and nearly every other coverage I saw of it, including some that came from from friendly commentators, was he just doesn't make a very good appearance. You know, he's just not very charismatic. He's not a big, handsome guy. He's kind of a weird speaking voice, and he just sounds angry and not particularly likable. Yeah, and that matters. I mean, you know, Do- Donald it, Trump it would is, seem to me is charismatic. Yes, for some reason or other, a lot of people like Donald Trump. I mean, I loathe him, but 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 clearly a lot of people do. But it's hard to imagine that kind of affection for, for Tom Cotton. And I was reminded of that again today that I had a gather. I mean, the Republicans have now suddenly become fans of Ukraine, which is kind of interesting given the history. But he joined a group of senators today, and they're just beating up Biden on every decision he makes, the latest one being that. And, I, and I, I'm kind of not necessarily – against them on this point of, of why the, the U.S. is being reluctant to participate in a, in a jet swap with Poland to use an air defense. But, but you know, Tom Cotton just sounds like a guy that wants to go to war, and he's just such a bellicose ranter. And I, I maybe there's a market for that, I, and I'm not well positioned to see it because he, he just turns me off so much. But I, I just don't think a lot of people really are – Hungering for that. Look back to Donald Trump. I mean, he was a big critic of the war in Iraq. I mean, he, he kind of took the isolationist approach. But but maybe 
maybe he identifies something out there in the in the populace that I don't see. Well, he he clearly hits on all the kind of talking points that that Republicans have decided, I imagine through polling, that really work. The you know critical race theory and 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 crime is overtaking the country. But then he just he goes as far as possible. You know that we we have an under incarceration problem. We should just lock everyone up until the carnage stops and 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 on and on and on and it just he's a bummer one of his most pernicious things is he's adopted this thing on immigration said i'm not a foe of immigration just as long as we let the right kind of people immigrate like you know norwegians who have great technical skills particularly are welcome brown people who can work in the fields from central america not so much all right. Well, let's let's leave Tom Cotton behind and let's, let's do and move on. Uh, there was a new federal lawsuit alleging racial gerrymandering in the second congressional district filed this week. Yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a great and meritorious suit. Partly, I'm a member of the board of the organization that is going to pay for some of the legal fees. But it's a real simple it's a real simple case. There's another group out there that's been investigating a, a redistricting lawsuit and bringing in all kinds of experts on stuff and looking at the state plan as a whole. This state is really th- this suit is really laser focused on a very obvious thing. They had a districting plan that made sense that was a, introduced by Republican legislators and enjoyed broad Republican support, but at the last minute they made one basically one little change, and that was they moved. 10 precincts that are predominantly black out of Pulaski County into two other congressional districts and then moved in an all white bunch of precincts from Cleveland County. It's clearly meant to diminish black voter influence in the second congressional district to French Hills benefit. It's the only district in the state that has come within shouting distance of winning a congressional race in years. And it was obviously done for a reason that that the courts have pretty much said you can you can politically gerrymander that's okay racially gerrymandering has generally not been favored now the the one issue in this suit that i think is interesting is is that at the very beginning of the suit richard Mays, the lawyer he said we believe that supreme court precedent is clear that you can bring a private action over discrimination on racial grounds under the voting rights act that is something that lee rudofsky the federalist trump republican judge just said in Little Rock overturning a half century president said you could not do only the attorney general to bring such suits. But uh, anyway, they're going to give it a try. They got a different judge. They've asked for a three judge panel. So Rudofsky, if he gets on, it will only be one vote. I, I think this case will be heard under the old precedent, which would be good. You know, I think it's a lay down. I, I don't think there's any doubt that th- there was a racial motive and a, and a deleterious racial effect of, of the districting. But the Supreme Court has changed. The Eighth Circuit, which will hear an appeal, is very conservative, and, and it's just hard to know. But I think that really one of the most interesting things about the suit is not necessarily the legal outcome, but uh, the, the recitation of the history of racial discrimination in Arkansas back from the beginning and into present times. It's really sobering read, and it's why we need to teach about divisive subjects in school because Arkansas has, has a rich, rich field to mine for it. The legislature wrapped up its work this week. Uh, 
maybe the biggest news was that uh, the Senate voted on a, a new leader, and it's Bart Hester. Yeah, he was supposed to be elected two years ago, and then there was a surprise coalition that beat him and put Jimmy Hickey in, and this time he had his his cards lined up, and Jimmy Hickey tried to run again, but he lost. And so Hester promises to be a, a leader for all members of the Senate. We shall see. He has a he has a fairly colorful history of being pretty much of an extremist politician. But, you know, at the end of this session, particularly, I just think in some respects, the legislature is going to do what it's going to do, and nearly all of it's going to be bad. And so who leads doesn't really matter. Uh, there was there was a push to bring up a vote on the the House Speaker, but that didn't go anywhere. Well, they won't have the vote until after signing die adjournment next week. Okay. Uh, and and I haven't, but I haven't heard serious talk of a challenge to Matt Shepard. The fight over Pope County Casino continues with big money flowing in both directions. Yeah, the Cherokee Nation's put in a million dollars into a group that will fight an amendment that attempts to deauthorize a casino permit in Pope County which the Choctaw Nation has emerged as a chief financier for because they want to protect their casino near Fort Smith from competition. So the the first battle will be whether they can get the the amendment on the ballot through paid petition gathering. And that's a, that's a hard fight no matter who does it and the law has been made harder. And and, and would so, it be a statewide vote if it did get on the ballot? Yes, yes, it would be a statewide vote to change the Arkansas Constitution to strip the authorization of a Polk County casino. I mean, if it were in Polk County alone, it probably would pass. But I mean, they voted against the casino amendment in the first place. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. Uh, how the public it, I mean, they they approved the casino amendment overwhelmingly. Whether a single casino in Russellville that has some local opposition will be popular with voters. A lot of it depends on what ad campaign they end up developing, I suppose. There was a fairly spicy paternity suit filed by a woman in her 20s who I believe is a congressional aide in Washington, D.C., who says that Cowboys owner and Arkansas native Jerry Jones is her father. Fascinating. And, and even more fascinating to me is the fact that I don't believe the Little Rock Daily newspaper has carried a word about it seems passing strange to me. I mean, I know a lawsuit is just an allegation, but we have a woman who identifies herself and she works for that crazy Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He used to be White House physician. She worked 14 months in the Trump administration. But she says her mother was an American Airlines ticket agent in Little Rock back in mid-1990s. Jerry Jones met her there and they had a relationship. And uh, this child was born of it. and, And they filed documents with the lawsuit. I haven't seen them. This is based on the Dallas Morning News and ESPN accounts, which have seen them, that seem to reflect an agreement by Jones to pay hush money to the mother and then set up trust funds for her and her daughter, Alexandra Davis, to continue through 2028. And the daughter is now saying, I just wanted to establish it's my father. I just don't think it's right that I've never been able to acknowledge my father. The woman, the man her mother was married to at the time she was born, but was estranged from, did a DNA, and he's definitely not the father. Then that didn't have to pay child support. So somebody is. There's an, Jones reputedly says in reaching this agreement to pay this money 
didn't acknowledge paternity and and told the mother that well I can't have children now or at least then I mean he has three but uh, you know I, I think uh, you don't have to be much of a cynic to decide that it's not just about being able to say who your father is although that it's also about money you know perhaps now that Jerry Jones is worth ten billion dollars even richer than he ever was but uh, he's uh, has not responded and the case for now is under seal and. I think there's going to be a whole lot more about it. I mean, Jerry Jones has a, has, let's just call it a colorful history. <laughs> and, uh, the, and there, there are those who aren't ready to immediately say, Oh no, he's always been a choir boy. and He couldn't have possibly done such a thing. So, and he is a Wheeler dealer. That's what the lawsuit says, you know, as Jerry did what he does is he cuts deals. So, and I don't think it's enforceable an agreement that silenced a one-year-old at the time it was made, I, I think uh, she's got a pretty strong argument that uh, <clears throat> she should be able to speak about it without being punished. The Little Rock School District, which was one of the last uh, holdouts on uh, having a mask mandate last night, voted to shift toward a uh, more situational approach uh, defined by how the CDC rates rates the community which factors in hospitalization and positivity rate and maybe something else so where we are today means that uh starting today that masks are recommended but optional yeah and there's some parents that aren't happy about it and there's some others that are thrilled about it and you know i'm i'm still when i go out in public into places with crowds i'm still wearing a mask because the cdc says that all other things being equal, it's it's a pretty good multi-pronged approach to dealing with this pandemic, which does seem to be on the wane at the moment, but which is not yet gone. Uh, Little Rock, I mean, it it's simply become just about impossible to sustain a, ma- a mandate anymore because it's so widely ignored nearly everywhere for one for one thing. And I, I do think the the Republicans have made a successful political issue about making people wear masks and making people take shots. And it's uh, Little Rock lasted longer than perhaps we had any reason to think they might. Yeah, I, as a as an LRSD parent, I'm I'm not mad at this. I, you know, there you, you can argue with what the CDC is doing, but it it's the it's the recognized expert in these matters. And the district is following CDC guidance. And, you know, we are we're not taking the approach that a lot of Republicans would like and saying we will never have a mass mandate again. Situation could change. It probably will change. And I trust that the district will react positively and appropriately and and move back to masking. One thing I wonder is, you know, that the Supreme Court has before it now the lawsuit that the Little Rock School District participated in on mask mandates. And I just wonder if somehow this could, they'll take any judicial notice of this. I mean, I think the case got argued just like last week, maybe, or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's performed now. It's been submitted. So we'll see. Finally, uh, just a little color. You had an item this week about Bryce Mitchell, uh, a mixed martial arts fighter who's become somewhat famous in recent years, who lives in my hometown of Cersei. Uh, and and has become kind of a, a darling of the right for popping off on conservative <laughs> trips. 
what's to say? I mean, he's a goober, you know, but, <laughs> but this kind of stuff he says is popular on Fox news for sure. And Tucker Carlson had him on there. I mean, they're using him as like as a tool basically to say this stuff saying, I ain't going to fight for no Ukraines. You know, I'll defend Arkansas to the death, but you know, nobody's asking him to fight for Ukraine, but it's, it's just kind of part of this Republican thing that whatever Joe Biden does is bad. And, Russians aren't necessarily so bad after all and I don't but he's really gone off on on a tangent on some crazy stuff he's got some what he said that they're going after this is all about going after people's assault rifles so that then the government can take everybody over and he said my street everywhere I live everybody's got a AK 15 or 45 or whatever you call them. And we're ready to use them to stop this Republic, this, this government tyranny that's coming that they want to leash unleash upon us. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, he's, he, you know, another proud moment for our. Yeah. Somebody, uh, one of my friends sent me a, a press conference, an MMA press conference where he talked a lot about politics and he was ranting about the federal reserve and how, it controlled everything and it's unaffected. <laughs> no, he's now a, suddenly a world expert on foreign affairs, economic policy. And the funny thing about this is, A, he is a goober and an idiot. But, but B, they're now trotting him out on Fox News, which used to, used to say to basketball players who'd say something, shut up and dribble. Where do you get off talking about these, these topics? But this guy, this martial arts guy, they're uh, they're ready to have him. Yeah, well, he he actually he defended that point a lot. He's like, you know, politics is more important to me than fighting. Well, and that's fine. I mean, uh, let him go on. I'm not saying they should censor him just because his profession is martial arts, but let let uh, you know let LeBron talk too. You know? Yeah. Well, so he's uh, a hell of a lot. He's a hell of a lot smarter than Bryce. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I listened to this press conference and and uh, fell into a thug nasty rabbit hole. Uh, he mentioned that that he's really serious about rapping, so I went and looked up some of his raps. And uh, he's he's got one called Darkensaw, um, and it's got a, it's got a line that says, "That's a bad habit I learned out in Cabot," <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Well, that's. Well, that's pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> in, in its way. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? Well, I don't have much. I've just been immersing myself in John Grisham books, several of which I've read before, but long enough ago, I forgot what they said. So I'm just mindless, you know. But he is a good storyteller, I must say. That, and I've rekindled something that I developed when. I was taking care of kids during the, the babies during the day when Ellen worked and I'd work at night was my baking. Uh, I developed, did a lot of yeast baking bread and what have you. And one thing that's great about working at home, I discovered this week and with remembered is, you know, I can start a batch of pizza dough in a, in five or 10 minutes and let it set it to rise for a couple of hours and have it ready for dinner. And I've made some pretty fine pizza dough this week. I've got to say, cook some homemade pizzas. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, well, uh, I've got two quick things. I'm I'm pretty excited about this uh, new HBO show, Winning Time, about the Lakers. Uh, it's 
there's been a lot of criticism because it's filmed in a way to make it look like it was shot in the 80s and that's kind of driving some people crazy and uh the magic johnson is one of the central characters and the real magic johnson is is such a you know charismatic dynamic character that it's difficult for any actor to uh embody him and and i think this the guy that plays him is fine but he is not magic johnson but i am fascinated by all the behind the scenes nba stuff and la in the 80s and uh, i think it's it's promising uh and then a plug for uh, a social event on saturday for for those who are comfortable getting out uh it's the semi-annual Pulaski Heights Elementary Picasso's art oh, auction yeah. at the Museum of Discovery. It's from 6.30 to 9, I think, $30. And <clears throat> ticket sales and all proceeds from the auction go to benefit uh, the school, particularly the, the garden program. And uh, they, they buy books for every kid. And we have a it's where my kids go to school and, and I'm a member of the PTA and been on the board and, and, you know, we, we spend a lot of money on all sorts of enrichment things. And this is our primary fundraiser. And it's also just kind of a fun time. There's good food to drink and uh, lots of great art you can get often at a discount. So this was the, my last social event, I think pre pandemic two years ago. So yeah, this is the two year anniversary. Next next week was two years of when I, I think it was March fourteenth was my last day. Oh. At the office. So yeah, come out if you're up for it and uh, support the kids. Sounds thanks, great. Thanks for listening. All stay safe out there and we'll be back next week. See ya. <laughs>